Welcome to Distrust and Disparities, Dismantling Black Health Disparities podcast. We examine health disparities that disproportionately affect Black women and Black families. In addition, we amplify organizations and individuals working to dismantle racist health practices and systems to improve health outcomes for marginalized communities. I'm your host, Jasmine Moore, a registered nurse, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Camille White. They made the decisions to switch our water and to not treat it and to cover it up and hide it from people as innocent people died. Their job is to fix it and make our lives, our homes, and our bodies right. In this episode, we examine the Flint, Michigan water crisis, an environmental injustice that has caused devastating health effects for the community. And we highlight Flint Rising, a coalition fighting for water, environmental, and climate justice and working to create a safe future for Flint residents. Welcome back, Distrust and Disparities listeners. We're happy to have you back for another episode. This week, we wanted to point out that April 22nd is Earth Day, and we want to make a point of highlighting environmental justice issues that directly impact Black families and communities. Environmental justice cases are some of the most blatant examples of systemic racism, and they lead to extreme health disparities and consequences. This week, we are going to be talking in detail about the Flint water crisis, but we are seeing more and more water crises popping up across the entire U.S., And most recently, or the most highly publicized case was in Jackson, Mississippi. We also saw around that time in Baltimore, Maryland as well, issues with water contamination was popping up. Access to clean water is critical to our daily lives. We need water to drink, to bathe, to wash our hands, to cook. We basically need it to survive. And despite the necessity of water, Millions of people across the U.S. are facing serious water quality problems because of contamination, deteriorating infrastructure, and inadequate treatment at water plants. Approximately 77 million people in the U.S. are served by water systems that violate health-based standards established by the Safe Drinking Water Act which is a federal law that requires the EPA, which is the Environmental Protection Agency, they're supposed to regulate our water supply and check in for any contaminants. Back in 2017, the American Society of Civil Engineers, they gave the U.S. their water drinking supply infrastructure, they gave it a D rating. So it just shows our infrastructure is out of date and it's failing many people across the U.S. Our show highlights inequities and research shows that access to clean drinking water is highly unequal in the U.S. with water systems that service poor and rural counties. They have far more violations than those that provide water to wealthier or urban areas. I just want to point out just some other facts and statistics about the U.S.'s water infrastructure. So this includes wells, reservoirs, pumps, and pipelines. 
storage tanks and treatment facilities. So a lot of them are nearing the end of their useful life. In many communities, um, some of these water systems are over 100 years old, and these include sewers and household pipes, which are many are old, broken, or decaying, and at some point leaking. And older infrastructure is more likely to include lead pipes, which Congress banned in the 1980s, and they've been slowly trying to get them out. But especially in your uh, minority communities, they still haven't been taken out. And approximately 15 to 22 million people are served by lead water lines. So that means their pipes are made out of lead. Keep listening. We'll talk about what lead does to the body when it's ingested. It has very negative health consequences. State and local governments are primarily responsible for implementing federal water quality standards. So that means it varies from state to state, like who's checking it and who's enforcing the laws. So you have lots of states, like we'll point out with Flint, Michigan, that are clearly violating the law, but the EPA is slow to jump in or act and find these states that are in violation. So it's estimated that about 3 to 10% of the country's water system is in violation of the Safe Drinking Water Act. And you know that most of those violations are heavily concentrated in your minority communities and in your rural communities. And I also want to point out some don't even have access to safe water supply system or they don't have they don't even have like sewage pipes or plumbing in their homes. So that's a whole big deal in itself as well. They're sort of like forgotten and left behind in a way where so many other places have been developed and mm-hmm. there's been infrastructure provided that they're just stuck in the middle of nowhere and they shouldn't be left behind. And even though, yes, there's infrastructure in so many other places, it's failing, it's crumbling. Mm-hmm. And people are getting sick and people have been getting sick. And it's a problem when you know the government is supposed to be monitoring these things mm-hmm. and making sure that any laws that are supposed to protect citizens are being enforced and they're just sort of, you know, slow walking it. And it's just like Mm -hmm. people's lives are on the line. This isn't some like, oh, we can get to it when we get to it situation. If you look at certain maps, you'll see where, like we are saying, where it's concentrated in certain communities and it's clear what they're doing. It's very blatant that certain communities are left out and they aren't being taken care of properly. Your water that you're drinking, it affects your health, your children's health, and it just leads to long-term consequences. We'll get into more of that, but we just wanted to just make you aware of what's going on throughout the country. What's going on in Flint, Michigan is not an isolated situation. Like we said, the water infrastructure in the U.S. is aging. So Check on what's going on in your community to see if they are in violation. What are they doing? You can um, look up in your geographical area by zip code. How safe is your water? What are the lead levels in your area? If you have children, they have to get checked for lead. So just 
being aware of that, especially if you live in an older building. Those are things you want to check on. So we're going to segue into our main story. And this week we are going to be breaking down the Flint Michigan water crisis, and we're going to be exploring the devastating health consequences the community continues to face. Have you checked out our website? There you can find all of our episodes and show notes. You can even listen directly on the site and catch up on any previous episode you may have missed. You can read our bios and see what we're up to. Also, we made it even easier to contact us. Just fill out the form on our homepage and click submit. We invite you to recommend guests and topics we should feature. So what are you waiting for? Go check us out at distrustanddisparities.com. So we want you to keep this question in the back of your head as we go throughout this episode and we review what exactly went down. If Flint, Michigan were rich and mostly white, would Michigan state's government have responded more quickly and aggressively to the complaints about its lead polluted water? So just keep that question in the back of your head and let me know. This story is very complex and we're going to give you the condensed version, but still make sure that we give you a broad overview of what happened because we also want to make sure that we touch on the health consequences and have time to highlight the residents and organizations that have been working to push back against the government. So this is just a brief background. The Flint River flows through the heart of Flint, Michigan. However, the river has served as an unofficial waste disposal site for treated and untreated waste from many local industries that are situated along the Flint River shorelines. One of those industries include General Motors. General Motors, they employ many Flint residents when the industry was thriving, and that was in the 1940s. And Flint's population, it peaked around 1960s. And at the height, there was almost 200,000 people residing in the city. However, around the 1980s, the automobile industry was hit hard. And this resulted in many plants closing down and lots of people being laid off. And many people left the city. Mostly white people left the city. And this is due to systemic racism, redlining, not giving Black people loans to move out into the suburbs. So they're basically stuck in this one area where there are no jobs. And a lot of the plants, they've relocated to the suburbs. They made it difficult for African-Americans and minorities to move out of these communities. And then it just led to the city declining as well as the population declining. So Flint's population, it dwindled down to just 100,000 people. The majority of the population is African-American. So it's approximately 54% is African-American. And then... About 45% of the residents in Flint, Michigan, they live below the poverty line. And statistics show that nearly one in six of the city's homes have been abandoned. 
these events are kind of the catalyst of what would come next in the city. In 2011, Flint, Michigan's government, they were facing a $25 million deficit. And at that point, the state of Michigan actually took over the city. And at the time, you had Governor Rick Snyder. He appointed an emergency manager, and that was basically an unelected official chosen to set local policy, to oversee things, and then cut city costs. So one of the ways that they were looking to cut costs was by looking for a cheaper alternative or sort of water supply for the city. At the time, Flint had, in 2011, the water provider was the Detroit Water and Sewerage Department, so DWSD. The alternative that the city and state officials were considering was building their own pipeline, and that would then connect to the Karanongi Water Authority, KWA. And with that option, it was going to be projected to save Flint $200 million over 25 years. But, you know, you can't just magically build a whole pipeline to a new water supply. And that was going to take approximately three years to complete that project. Yep. So this is a major project, a major overhaul. In March 2013, the city's council voted to build this new pipeline for Flint, the city of Flint, and the surrounding areas. Immediately, the Detroit water system sent the city a notification that they will be terminating their contract within a year. And this is normal. I was reading that if either the city or the Detroit water system wanted to end the contract, they had to give each other a year notice. And I also want to point out that even though they were letting them know that they're ending their contract, they technically weren't going to just leave the city high and dry. They just can't just cut it off and not give them any other option. Instead, the city would have to renegotiate their contract with the Detroit water supply while they're building this new pipeline. But the Detroit water system, they were going to charge them a higher price until this new water system is connected. The city, they didn't want to pay this higher price, so they were looking for other options. So they went with the cheaper option of pumping water from the Flint River, which had not been used for the city's water supply since the 1960s. And city officials knew when they were exploring this option that the river water was highly corrosive, like we pointed out in the beginning. Untreated waste was being dumped into that river. Which like makes sense because you don't stop using a river that's running through your city since the 1960s out of nowhere. Like y'all weren't using that for a reason. So then in June 2013, the city seeing that, you know, higher price from Detroit, we'll just tap into the river. They decide to go ahead with the plan to get water from the Flint River. And they send out a press release to citizens about the switch. Quote, it's regular, good, pure drinking water, and it's right in our backyard. And this was said by the mayor at the time, Mayor Dane Walling. Quote, this is the first step in the right direction for Flint, 
And we take this monumental step forward in controlling the future of our community's most precious resource. Another statement that was sent out by Flint was, quote, even with a proven track record of providing perfectly good water for Flint, there still remains lingering uncertainty about the quality of the water. In an effort to dispel myths and promote the truth about the Flint River and its viability as a residential water source, there have been numerous studies and tests conducted on its water by several independent organizations. And apparently one of these organizations uh, verified that, quote, the quality of the water being put out meets all of our drinking water standards and Flint water is safe to drink. So this is all what they're doing before they switched over. This is Mm -hmm. what they're claiming, that it's safe, it's pure, and it's been tested and meets all of the standards. So then it's like, if that's what they're saying, how the f*** did we end up where we ended up? Right. So a year later, you know, after putting out all these press releases and, you know, letting citizens know that, you know, we're about to tap into our own backyard, they didn't do not a single test. And they took a wait and see approach. So they didn't treat or test a damn thing before they started pumping this toxic river water into the homes of Flint residents and the surrounding counties. Residents started to complain immediately. As soon as the water started running through their pipes, they noticed the difference. Residents reported that the water from their taps look bad, it smelled bad, and it tasted foul. The smell and taste, it showed up slowly over the past two weeks as they switched from the Detroit water to the Flint River. But the city continued to gaslight its residents by telling them it's safe to use, like they knew it would, you know, be a difference, but it's still safe to use as we make this switch. So then in May 2014, they determined that the water was 70% harder coming from the Flint River than it was when it was coming from that Detroit supply. And so hardness is caused by compounds of calcium and magnesium and a variety of, of other metals existing in the water. So the additional hardness of the water was expected, apparently, by city officials And they said they didn't even think most people would notice the difference. Uh, But of course, residents knew immediately that it's 70% harder. How would they not notice that it was harder? Let alone, you know, talking about the foul smell, taste, and look of it. And some even described it as being murky or foamy at times. In August of 2014, E. coli and other bacteria was detected in the water, and this prompted multiple advisories for residents to boil their water. Didn't stop it. They just told residents to boil the water. So not only does it smell vile, it's hard. Now you have to boil the water. And the city also responded by increasing the chlorine levels in the water. And I want to point out that in October of 2014, General Motors, they stopped using Flint water because they feared the increase in chlorine and also the metals was going to corrode their pipes. So if this large corporation is fearing what it's doing to their pipes, 
What do you think is doing to the residents' body that are ingesting this water? This is just a total catastrophe. Yeah. They started adding chlorine and other chemicals to kind of clean the water out. But due to this, in January 2015, the city is found to be in violation of the Safe Drinking Water Act because of the level of total trimethanes, TTHM, in the water. And this is a disinfection chemical. It's like a byproduct when chlorine interacts with organic water. And according to the CDC, certain types of this chemical, TTHM, they have carcinogenics in it, which are harmful to humans, which put them at risk for developing cancer. And what does the state do in response to this notice? They start to buy bottled water for employees at the government office. Which is just like, it's real interesting. So it's still fine for the residents, but y'all notice that it's an issue with these trihalomethanes that now you're going to just buy bottled water for people who happen to work for you. What about everybody else? Right. And what about when they go home? Yeah. They got to take the bottled water home with them because then all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, the employees are stealing. Like, right. it just it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And the residents, this whole time that it's going on since April and they're pumping this water, residents are complaining. They are outraged at meetings they're showing in the bottle. The water is murky color. And they one resident reported It went from like a yellow color to sometimes it would be like a brown, almost like watered down gasoline color. So it's like the water is changing as they're adding chemicals and the government's still telling them it's fine. It's fine. It's a prime example of gaslighting on like such an ugly and dangerous level. It's just so frustrating. Like you think, you know, the details of what's going on. Like even me, I had a very vague idea what's going on. But just looking at this timeline broken down, I'm just like... Are you serious? Like, this is crazy, but it gets worse. It does. It does. So now we're at the end of February, February 25th, 2015. And now tests are showing high levels of lead in homes. The water at Lee Ann Walter's home turns up with a lead content of 104 parts per billion. So apparently 15 parts per billion is the EPA's limit for lead in drinking water. So, you know, do the math there. 15 is what's supposed to be the limit, and they're sitting at 104. (laughs) Like, come come (sighs) on. Then in April, Leanne Walter said her child was diagnosed with lead poisoning, and an independent test was done by Virginia Tech researchers, and they ended up finding lead levels at... 13,200 parts per billion, and water is considered hazardous waste at 5,000 parts per billion. Oh my gosh. So again, do the math. 5,000 to 13,200. Like, they're literally giving residents hazardous waste and calling Mm. it pure drinking water oh you just have to boil it though it's no way to you know at home to purify this water it's it's impossible yeah and 
the city's still not doing anything. Residents are complaining. And the Virginia Tech researchers, they were brought in by the residents because they're like, this water is not safe. They're bringing in outside people to come test their water because they're like, this is crazy. How are you telling me that I can drink this? And in April 24th of 2015, the EPA says it was notified by the Michigan Department of Environment and Energy, MDEQ for short. They were notified that the city did not have corrosion control treatment in place at the Flint water treatment plant. The city and the departmental agencies, they are telling residents that Miss Walters, the test that she did, that wasn't, you know, that's just an isolated, elevated event, you know, just in her home, it's just elevated. And they said it does not look like there is a broad problem with the water supply in people's homes. So again, just like lying. And I do recall, you know, early in the timeline, we did point out with their little press releases, they claim to have done independent tests from outside Mm -hmm. organizations. So yeah, but sure. What they did at Leanne's home, you know, outlier. It's just her home that has the issue. So that's why only, you know, her child ended up with lead poisoning, which is one child too many, even if that was somehow the case. That's one child too many. You should investigate it. Like, what's what's going on? Why is this just one? But they're like, no, it's fine. Like, that was just an isolated event. Nothing is going on. So then we come to September 2015. So again, Virginia Tech researchers are still, you know, in Flint, as Jasmine mentioned, Flint residents had reached out to them for their help in testing the water. So a team from Virginia Tech, they ended up conducting hundreds of tests in homes for lead and said that their preliminary tests showed serious levels of lead in city water. Here's a quote from Dr. Mark Edwards, who was a member of the Virginia Tech team. They said, the levels that we have seen in Flint are some of the worst that I have seen in more than 25 years working in the field. That's saying something. And Michigan's Department of Environment response is that they just dismissed Virginia Tech's results. And their spokesperson, Brad Werfel, said, quote, I don't know how they're getting the results they're getting. I know that it doesn't match with any of other surveillance in the area which just feels like a situation of you're refusing to acknowledge the terrible things that you're hearing because that means that you would be guilty of poisoning your residents. Yeah, they're dismissing their results and they're saying they're conducting all these other tests. And then they're basically saying the researchers, they're coming to look for lead. So of course they're going to find lead. You know, just gaslighting a whole research team, gaslighting a whole city, and just lying, lying. Lying. And then eventually, September 24th, a study finds elevated lead levels in children. So then we have a pediatrician, Dr. Mona Hannah Atisha. She blew the whistle when she released her report on childhood blood lead levels, or BLLs, in the Flint community. So a study from the local Hurley Medical Center found that 2.1% of children that were aged five and under had elevated blood lead levels prior to the switch to Flint River water compared to 
a 4% after the switch. So again, here go numbers. It was at 2.1% when they were back on Detroit water. Now these BLLs have gone up to 4%. And I'll point out, it's no safe level of lead. So it's already high and now it's jumping even higher. And this is just on a small population that she's testing. Yeah, we're talking about young children Mm -hmm. age five and under. The most vulnerable in this situation. So terrible. And then here we go with, you know, another spokesperson for the state of Michigan, the Department of Health and Human Services, said that the elevated lead levels results may be a result of seasonal changes rather than the change in the water source. So, you know, here they go, the government lying again. Just getting worse. Like, and these are medical professionals, researchers, and you're trying to tell them what they're saying is not real. It's not going on. And at this point with Dr. Mona Hanna Atisha's study and report being released about the blood lead levels, Flint issued a lead advisory to residents Quote, while the city is in full compliance with the Federal Safe Drinking Water Act, this information is being shared as part of a public awareness campaign to ensure that everyone takes note that no level of lead is considered safe. So you're putting out there that, oh, no, 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 we're in compliance. But also, by the way, yeah, no level of lead is safe. But then, so you're not denying, though, that the level has increased in these children. But then what? You're going to claim that it's a seasonal change? What seasonal change? Is that just lead on the wind that they're breathing in? No seasonal change is going to cause lead to increase or decrease. Like, I know I don't know a lot about science and shit, but like, is lead like pollen? It's just in the air and we just breathing (laughs) in it? Like, it doesn't work like that. Exactly. So tell me how that even makes sense. It doesn't. And so what the city does, October 2nd, they start to provide free water filters and supposedly free testing to Flint residents. And then finally, October 16, 2015, Flint switches back to the Detroit water supply. The government, they put out a press briefing saying that the Detroit water system will be easier to manage. It's coming from a more stable source than the river. It is fully optimized for corrosion control. And it is clear that residents of Flint have more confidence in this water supply. So this statement is just, it's so greasy. Like, oh, we're going to switch back because, you know, we're just getting, you know, just a few complaints. So we, we're just going to switch it back without saying the reason, what they're doing, that they're not, the water is not in compliance. That is so toxic. It's crazy. It's like you're literally skimming over everything and just go, yeah. And, you know, Flint residents, they they have more confidence in that previous water supply that we had before. So that's why we're going to go back. And we'll point out like people have died. They thought they could just like, oh, we just want to switch it back. We just want to do a quick switch over and all the problems will go away. So that switch back that happened in October, well, December 14th, 2015, the mayor of Flint had to declare a state of emergency. So Flint mayor Karen Weaver declares a state of emergency over the elevated lead levels in the city's water. 
And she is quoted as saying, I am requesting that all things be done necessary to address the state of emergency declaration effective immediately. So tell me, please, how, like, again, you just ignored, ignored and covered your eyes and buried your head in the sand because you had so many people and experts and researchers and doctors telling you that something is wrong. You had residents telling you this water is foul and nasty. And now, oh, we're switching back. And then two months later after switching back, the mayor's having to declare a state of emergency. It ain't right. It's not right at all. Yeah, it's crazy. And eventually in January 2016, the governor of Michigan, Rick Snyder, and also Obama, they declare a state of emergency throughout the entire county, including Flint due to just the high lead levels. And when the president declares in a state of emergency, that means FEMA is authorized to provide equipment and resources to the people that are affected. Also, they'll receive federal funding, which will help to cover the cost of providing water, water filters, and other items. So just to summarize, for 18 months, they pumped untreated toxic water into the homes of Flint residents. This was a failure of the government at all levels, local, state, and federal officials. They all failed the families and the entire community of Flint. Basically, from 2015 to present, local officials, state officials, And other environmental regulatory agencies, they tried to place the blame on one another. Oh, no, it was your fault. No, it was your fault. You didn't do this. Oh, we didn't know about this. And Michigan taxpayers, they have to front the bill for this legal battle. And you may be thinking, oh, they switched back to the Detroit water supply back in 2015. All things should be all good. But like we said, Years later, even after the switch, the water continued to test high for lead and other contaminants. The Virginia Tech team, they point out that residents have been using very little of the tainted water and it creates this cycle where the additives that they add to the water to rescale the corroded pipes in the water system Since they're not using this water, they're not flushing it out. The lead and the contaminants, they're just staying stuck in the pipes. So they're not flushing it out. Because Flint residents, they don't want to pay for contaminated water. They don't trust the system at all. And this whole time, during this whole crisis, they have to pay for this water. They still were being charged water bills. And it's a slow process to dig up all these pipes and replace it. Up until now, even though they started the process of replacing most of the pipes, people still do not trust the water. I don't blame them. Like the government intentionally poisoned them. This is a man-made crisis. Like why would they trust them? Why? Like they were lied to at every possible chance that the government could lie to them. And how would you ever in your life at that point, be like, oh yeah, well now, now that they say it's safe, once, you know, they start adding stuff or they start replacing pipes and now they tell me it's safe. So it must be safe now. Like, no, that trust is gone. 
the frustration I feel for these people and so many others that experience this bullshit of like, you just straight up being lied to by government officials that are supposed to be there to protect you and enforce laws that'll keep you safe, keep your children safe. And I can only imagine the hopelessness you would feel when you can't even trust your water. You can't trust the water coming into your home. Yeah. And so many things like the process of taking a bath, you know, taking a shower, washing your hair, cooking meals for your family, having basic water to drink. And this went on for years, years. Like they're just now saying like, oh, telling people like the water is safe. There should be no lead, but people still don't trust it. You know, people are still buying cases of water, big gallon jugs. And next, we want to just point out the negative health consequences from drinking this toxic water. So we'll go into a little detail just about the long lasting effects from this man-made crisis. If you are enjoying this episode, you should consider buying us a coffee. Yes, a coffee. That small gesture will help us continue to create quality episodes and content. Click the Buy Me a Coffee link in the show notes or check out our website at distrustanddisparities.com. The biggest concern with the Flint water crisis is lead poisoning. Health experts, they all agree that there is no safe level of lead to be in the body. Research has shown that even small amounts of lead can lead to irreversible damage. While lead is toxic to everyone, fetuses, infants, and young children are at the greatest risk for lead poisoning because their brains and bodies are rapidly developing and more easily absorb lead than older adults and children. Lead is a natural occurring metal. Back in the day, they were using lead for everything. They were putting it in gasoline, paint, especially plumbing, pipes, even in cosmetic. And what lead does, when lead is in the body, it mimics the mineral calcium. And calcium is essential for brain development, bones, teeth, and also your cardiovascular system. So when lead is in the body, it blocks calcium absorption. So lead, it affects your bones, teeth, your liver, kidneys, and it just disrupts normal biological function. And the most dangerous way for children and infants to ingest lead is through water. It just makes it easy just to travel to all those crevices in your body. And for 18 months, like we said, the city ignored residents' complaints and continued to pump that toxic water. And Dr. Atisha, she was the one who blew the whistle. And like we said, the lead levels were already high at 2.4%. And then it rose as high as 4.9%. And I just want to highlight some of the symptoms in children. Severe lead poisoning in children can lead to irritability, weight loss, abdominal pain, fatigue, vomiting, and even seizures. And at moderate to low levels of exposure, it can interfere with your thought process and also lower children's IQ. Because like we said, their brains are rapidly developing. And this causes attention and behavioral problems, all of which 
will cumulatively affect their lifelong learning. And research shows that children with serious lead affects their neurological and they are less likely to graduate from high school and more prone to delinquency, teen pregnancy, violent crime, and incarceration. A recent study that was released in 2022 from Cornell University, it stated that as many as a quarter of the children in Flint, Michigan, their lead levels were approximately seven times the national average. They also point that they're a lot of children, they may have not been screened. So they're only looking at the children whose parents are bringing them in to be tested. So there's the numbers could be higher. And the ones that did participate in this study, the rates were higher amongst Black and low-income children. And the parents reported a 44% increase in hyperactivity, emotional agitation, There was also a decrease in their comprehension and also an increase in learning delays. Also, skin, their skin was affected. And there is no drug currently that can reverse the developmental damage of lead. So once the lead levels are high, you know, they can bring them down, but that damage is already being done. One of the researchers from this study, they're quoted as saying, These children are going to be injured for life. They're going to need remedial education. They're going to need educational enrichment programs. And they stated the kids are going to be prevented from functioning at their highest level, all because of the lead that they ingested as a child. And then also want to point out, adults are also at risk. So the second highest group is pregnant women. And researchers analyzed the health records from 2008 to 2015, and they found that fertility rates in Flint, they dropped by 12%, and fetal deaths rose by 58% after the water was switched to the Flint River. And also, babies that were born at full term during the water crisis, they had low birth weight, Pregnant women being exposed to the lead, they're at increased risk for hypertension. And it can also, it interferes with whether they want to breastfeed their baby or not. And large doses of lead exposure in adults is linked to high blood pressure, heart and kidney disease and reduced fertility. So lead alone can be so damaging and like the effects may not be seen right away in adults, but we're seeing it in the children. But just thinking about just generations from now, like the children that ingested this water during this period, they're going to need a lot of support, educational enrichment, and they're at risk for being incarcerated, not graduating. This is just a whole generation. And then their parents who are also ingested this water, they're at risk of having health complications. And In addition to the lead, there was an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease. This comes from the Legionella bacteria. Since the water wasn't treated, the bacteria flourished. At least 13 Flint residents died because of the outbreak, and over 80 people were sickened because of these two outbreaks. And they said this was the third largest Legionnaire's disease outbreak in the U.S. And the symptoms of that disease, they mimic pneumonia. So very severe. 
also drinking the water because they were putting all that bleach and chlorine, you're at risk for cancer. And then I just want to point out this other concerns. People are still afraid to drink the water. So more than 90% of the children, they drink bottled water, including in the, they're using it to mix infants formula. And there's no nutrients or fluoride in the water. When you drink tap water, it's treated with fluoride, which is good for your teeth. Um, so the kids are at risk, increased risk for having dental problems such as cavities because they're not getting that fluoride in their system. At the very beginning, all of these residents were like, nah, this water ain't it. It ain't it. And they're like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. And then you have like experts telling them through testing and research is not good. It's terrible, actually. And it's like, well, they don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. They had a whole year when they decided that they were going to switch it and they could have, if they wanted to use this option, they needed to put in proper treatment facilities to, you know, to treat the water. They probably want to test it to make sure it's safe before they pump it out, but they wanted to wait and see to make sure they did nothing. They just was like, oh, they won't notice the difference. Uh, They'll be fine. And it's because, oh, wait, who won't notice the difference? You have Black people, you have poor people, you have people that you deem as disposable. Basically. That you didn't care enough to even treat the water, even though you claimed in your little press releases that you did. You claimed that you tested it. You claimed that it was safe. You literally Uh, claimed that it was pure. uh, uh, uh. (sighs) Just, it's so messed up. And of course, because of all of this, not only the physical effects that Jasmine just went through, There's also the mental health effects of this because like, can you imagine being a resident in this community? So a study released by public health researchers in 2022 showed that even five years after the water crisis, an estimated one in four residents in Flint, Michigan may have experienced post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. So Also in this study, it pointed out one in five adults in Flint may have experienced depression and one in 10 met the criteria for both PTSD and depression. And that is three to five times higher than national average in the U.S. And additionally, the vast majority of the respondents were never offered mental health services, despite clear indication that the crisis was psychologically traumatic. And like... How could it not be like you're you're literally having to pay for toxic water and then you're being told it's not toxic. You can drink it. And then you end up with all of these health complications. If you have children, your children are being diagnosed with lead poisoning. You're seeing what that looks like. You're seeing how it's damaging your entire family. How would you not sort of be depressed? How would you not? be just stressed out because you just, you're just like, what, what in the world is happening? Yeah. You're concerned about your own health, your family's health, just worried about like the future. And you just don't know if you can trust the government at all. It's just such a failure on so many levels. And then additionally, the final thing with the study, they even pointed out that those with prior say physical or sexual assault, were more than three times more likely to have depression and more than six times more likely to have PTSD than those without this history. 
And I think a lot of people who are aware of mental health and aware of how things can show up. Yeah, if you've had prior experiences, you've had prior trauma, new trauma, additional trauma later on typically can then trigger Mm -hmm. that old trauma as well. They terrorize a whole community of people and then sat there in their face and said, no, we're, we're not doing that. Eight years after the crisis began and even with them putting in new pipes and declaring that you know the water is safe people don't trust the government and this is how you have long lasting distrust in your government and those that are there to protect you that's a part of this podcast this distrust and disparities when you have government agencies that are supposed to protect you they're lying you and they're intentionally poisoning you. They're harming you and your family. And the effects, we'll probably be looking at this for years to come. New facts, new statistics are going to come out about what's going on in Flint, Michigan, and how they're being affected. The Flint residents, they won a $600 million settlement against the state of Michigan. And they said they want to prioritize the youngest victims of the crisis. But We know with settlements, like how long it'll take to get that money. Will it be properly used and things like that? You know, no amount of money can cure your distrust with this whole situation. The lead poisoning, the increased cancer risk is no way to take that back. There's no way, no amount of money that you can throw at the situation. Like when you were looking at the cost saving benefits, you should have thought about that before you decided to tap into this water. This all originated because the city was in a deficit. They were talking about saving money and they cut so many corners to claim that some nasty river that's been flowing through the town for forever that hadn't been touched in decades was safe. And they they didn't care about people because if you cared about those people, you would have never gotten to this point if you cared about those people. And it's like, oh, yes, a cost savings and we need to build out this pipeline to a new water source. But until we get to that point, you know what? We just have to pay more money to Detroit because that is giving us the safe water that we've been had for years now. And that's what we have to do. But instead, it was like, oh, no, we'll save money and then literally destroy people's lives. We're going to segue into our next segment where we highlight an organization that is working to dismantle racist health practices. This week, we want to highlight Flint Rising. And Flint Rising was formed in 2016 in reaction to the response or lack of to the water crisis that was created by the city and government agencies. Flint Rising, it's a combination of grassroots organizations, community organization, and allies working together to fight for the infrastructure and also a change of leadership to ensure a better future for the Flint community. And they're thinking about the long-term effects. They point out as this water crisis continues, in Flint, Michigan, they want immediate action to help secure the future of the community. 
this is like a resident-led organization and some of the things that they are working with to have done immediately, they want to replace all damaged service lines. They want 100% of the water bills that they were paying from 2014. They want reimbursement since the water was unsafe to drink. And they want health and education services for all children's adults and seniors in the community. They won that settlement. So this organization, they're pushing to make sure that the government is held accountable for their actions and that they're not forgotten and that they do the things that they say they're going to do. This group has been, you know, instrumental in, you know, making sure that those pipes are being replaced, that every single one of the pipes. And it's going to take a lot of education for people to trust this water ever again. I don't I don't know how they're going to do it, but you can start with, you know, providing those education services for those children, supporting them, helping to build up this community. Yeah. It's going to take a long time, a very long time. And I would never fault anybody if they never touch the water again. And another thing I wanted to point out that I think maybe some people would be like, well, why don't they just move? I think this is very comparable to the Gordon Plaza situation of tell me who's going to buy a house with raggedy ass pipes. Mm-hmm. where are they going to get the money to just pick up their lives and move out of this community? Exactly. It's it's going to take a long time, but at least there is money coming. And this money was finally declared like it's going to happen uh, March 2023. Mm-hmm. And originally the settlement was sort of first decided back in 2020. And it had to go back and forth. So... We have to see how that money is divided out, like you said, and hopefully it does go to the people that need it and deserve it, and they can build a better future for the community of Flint and the surrounding areas that were just devastated by this entire water crisis. This organization, Flint Rising, they're thinking about the long-term effects and you know, just making sure they're advocating for changes in legislature and leadership. Go to our show notes and also our website to learn more ways that you can support Flint Rising and see what they're up to and just also to get updates on this situation. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to suggest a topic we should discuss or share your own personal story, email us at distrustanddisparities at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Distrust and Disparities and on Twitter at DistrustPod.